Hello and welcome to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the number one result on Google for Autonomous Cars podcasts. I'm Mark Hogue, a California licensed attorney, a 2X startup founder, a UCLA Bruin with a background in engineering and an economics degree, and twice a week we'll be discussing the products, tech, law, policy, and societal impacts of autonomous cars as they bring about the greatest step change in humanity since the Industrial Revolution. Today, Tuesday, the 12th of March, 2019, episode 89. Japan updates its laws to allow drivers of level 3 autonomous vehicles to use their phones. Speaking of level 3 vehicles, a new proposal suggests a useful but overly complex update to the SAE autonomous vehicle levels of capability, and Waymo starts to sell its LiDAR kit. All this, right now. Right, to kick things off today, though, it is Tuesday, which means we need to discuss last week's Friday poll day, which, if you remember, started actually on a Wednesday, so I guess that makes it, what, a Wednesday, Friday poll day? But at any event, it was the first of 2019, weirdly, because I kept forgetting to run them. Thing is, though, this was a really important one, because I asked the question, do you agree or disagree with Tesla and Elon Musk's language uh, on the website, the Model 3 order form website, uh, to describe autopilot as full self-driving capability. Um, staggeringly, two-thirds of you said that you agree, only one-third said you disagree, and this really blows my mind because, look, I'm as much a fanboy for Tesla as anyone could be, admittedly, but I'd like to believe that there is room for some modicum of objectivity. I mean, arguably, if you love a thing, then you should be a bit more critical of it. You'd you should want it to be more and better and to improve. I mean, after all, isn't that what you do when you love your kids? You you try to encourage them to be more and better and to improve. Uh, failure to critique or otherwise question is uh, not the optimal solution here. So, yeah, I'm a Tesla fanboy, which is why I'm frankly kind of pissed off at this language. I think it's a, I think it's a really big mistake. Uh, but incredibly, yeah, two thirds seem to agree with it. Um, and and I think the argument that I had put forth was something like the only way that this language could be, uh, you know, tolerated is if we come up with some interesting definition which says full self-driving capable is a valid statement in as much as saying full chocolate cake capable to a bowl full of ingredients that haven't yet been mixed and baked as opposed to a full autonomous vehicle, which is a fully baked chocolate cake. In other words, yeah, it's true. All these various ingredients taken individually or even all together are admittedly capable of full self-driving, I suppose, in the same way that all the ingredients of a chocolate cake are capable of, well, a fully baked chocolate cake. But yeah, that's only if you actually, you know, bake it properly. It's only true with the car if you actually put all these components together and actually produce uh, a fully autonomous vehicle. So, yeah, one could argue that this is sort of uh, an if this, then that kind of thing, right? So if fully autonomous vehicle, then it's the case that it's fully self-driving. Conversely, if it's not fully self-driving capable, then it's clearly not uh, a fully autonomous vehicle and so on. But uh, anyway, look, take a look at the poll. It's at uh, Twitter slash autonomous hogue. Give it a thought. Reach back out to me, preferably just simply reply to that tweet with the poll. Uh, Let me know your thoughts, because I think this is a really important thing to get right, and it should be discussed 
more fully in detail. And now that I think about it, this kind of segues rather neatly into at least two of the segments we'll be discussing today, namely uh, Japan's laws regarding cell phone usage on level three cars and more on point, the proposal to update the SAE autonomous vehicle levels of designation, or is that designations of levels, whatever. Anyway, let me know what you think. We'll talk more about it later. Right. So to kick things off today, Japan. Uh, Japan has really got autonomous driving square in its sights and is currently anticipating to have level three autonomous vehicles, footnote, but wait for the next segment, uh, by 2020. So the issue is, in this case, how do you kind of restructure the legal framework to address level three cars insofar as the kinds of things for which drivers who aren't always drivers, uh, will be responsible. Um, so in particular here, uh, there's this notion that, um, you know, if you're in level three mode, then generally speaking, drivers should be allowed to kind of look away from the road and in this particular specific instance to glance at their smartphones and indeed to, well, the, the language in this report says they'll be able to look at their smartphones. Uh, I presume that means they can use the smartphones as well. Who knows? But but crucially, they will be held responsible for any sort of accidents that are caused by either poor maintenance to the vehicle generally. Now, whether that means actually ensuring the systems work properly as designed or intended, or whether it means actually maintenance in the in, in the broader sense of maintaining vehicle control. I'm not, it's not clear to me. I'm not sure. Uh, but they could also be, of course, responsible for failing to ignore warning messages from the vehicles. For example, in a level three vehicle, the idea is that it'll give you a heads up when you need to take control. And if obviously you ignore those, then, and if that can be demonstrated, then clearly you're going to be at fault. That all makes pretty good sense. I think the bigger, the bigger picture here though, is that, um, it's the speed, well, not the speed. Well, yeah, kind of the speed, but also the, um, the kind of targeted precision with which Japan is moving forward on updating these regulations, really in anticipation of getting these vehicles on the road by 2020, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that, that is in fact just what nine months away. That's that's kind of hard to believe. So, um... hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So I guess this is fine, but for me, really, the big question is, does it make sense to even have this five levels of autonomy framework? And obviously, this is what leads perfectly to the next segment, Namely, this proposal to change the five levels of autonomy into something rather more binary. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right, so as alluded to a few times already this morning, let's dive into this proposal to revamp the various levels of autonomy. Um, there is a proposal that's been put forth. 
that essentially whittles everything down from the current five-level system, or six if you include level zero, which is a bit silly, uh, down to just two systems. Uh, it is effectively, well, yeah, it, it, I'm going to call it a binary system, kind of, because effectively it's defined as level two plus and level four plus, where level two plus is basically just all your driver assistance systems like lane keep assist, uh, adaptive cruise control, emergency autonomous braking, blind spot assistance, that kind of thing. Uh, the key point being that the vehicle is decidedly not self-driving. It is not autonomous. That In fact, an attentive driver is required as opposed to level four plus, which is basically, well, fully autonomous, fully self-driving, and indeed driverless, i.e. no drivers required at all. Put another way, all the occupants are passengers per se. Um, I'm calling that binary I guess it's more accurately sort of a trinary thing. Uh, you've either got nothing at all, or you've got driver assistance systems, level two plus, or you've got full autonomy. I like describing it as binary, though, because the current state of the art is, let's face it, vehicles with all sorts of automatic driver assistance systems. Uh, so let's call that, you know, one of the two states. And then you've got fully autonomous, self-driving, driverless cars. That's the other of the two. Hence why I like to regard this as really a binary system. Um, and I think that's really good. That's really important. Uh, I know that Alex Roy, for example, has long been advocating the need to dispense with the silly uh, five levels system currently uh, in use. And I think this binary system will kind of go a long way towards simplifying things. That said, it's going to have some pretty profound impacts, not least of which on folks like Tesla, uh, which will decidedly fall into the uh, <clears throat> level two plus system that is driver assistance because it isn't in fact truly autonomous, fully self-driving driverless at all. Indeed, a vehicle is not going to be driverless at all until either uh, the vehicle is capable of driving without any driver inf- input whatsoever. That, me- that means the driver can go to sleep uh, or certainly once the vehicle ditches the steering wheel and the gas and brake pedals completely. So this is a really big thing. Um, and I think it's going to really kind of clear up a lot of ambiguity, a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, I said quite a few episodes back that I think that one of the reasons why some folks, okay, most folks are still kind of uneasy with the idea of a driverless car is because, you know, you get in a car and you see a thing with a steering wheel and you think, oh crap, there's no driver there. We're going to die. I think that once we end up rolling out cars on the road without steering wheels, without any sort of driver inputs whatsoever, people are going to be much more accepting. They'll be more likely to embrace these wholeheartedly. And similarly then, I think, because this demonstrates that there is a very real kind of binary perception, kind of like if you get in a thing with wheels and there should be a human there, probably alternatively, if you get in a thing without wheels, then clearly you don't need a human, in which case it's presumably safe or it wouldn't be there in the first place. Similarly, I think that by having this binary system indicating the autonomous capability or lack thereof for a vehicle, I think this then will make things a lot easier. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a fan about this, I guess. I, yeah, I am. I mean, look, on the one hand, part of me is a little torn. I mean, I may disagree with what Tesla is doing insofar as its nomenclature, its language, full self-driving capable. I might disagree with it, but that doesn't mean I don't get a thrill out of it, that I don't kind of like it. At an emotional level, I do kind of get a thrill. I do get excited. It is a bit of sort of marketing hyperbole that I think the world needs insofar as sort of bringing autonomous vehicles eventually to the road. And I mean, true autonomous cars. So, so I'm kind of 
again, the, the, yeah, the emotional kind of markety side of me, I'm kind of all for it, but the kind of more kind of put your head on straight kind of objective side of me is thinking this is probably a no good, terrible, very bad idea because of course it is. So Again, I'm I'm kind of all right with the hyperbole, but I think on the other hand, having a really streamlined binary system like this is certainly I think the right way to go. So yeah, I'm kind of all for this. Um, curious your thoughts on the matter. Uh, again, do let me know. Reach out on Twitter at autonomous hog. Let me know what you think. Let's discuss it more later. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So a brief segment here to close out the day. Uh, big news that Waymo is going to start selling its LiDAR kit to third-party customers. Uh, and in this way, it's going to be joining the likes of Velodyne, Luminar, and, say, Quantergy as one of the world's biggest LiDAR suppliers. Um, the adorably named Laser Bear Honeycomb, because, yeah, if you look at it, it does I, I guess it does kind of look like a honeycomb. Not really sure what a laser bear is, though. But uh, in any event, um, this thing is a pretty good piece of kit. Uh, Waymo advertises it as having, let's see here, um, a vertical field of view of 95 degrees, which compares to the usual, say, 30 degrees, supposedly. Uh, it's also got 360 degrees horizontal field of view, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, furthermore, it's got something that it describes as having multiple returns per pulse. So usually, uh, the way LiDAR works, and again, it's just a rotating rig, which kind of emits laser beams, which then reflect back, creating a three-dimensional point cloud of the world around the car. Here, the idea is that apparently uh, each beam of laser can return up to four different things in the laser beam's line of sight. So this presumably then gives a much kind of fuller, more detailed view of the world. And finally, and interestingly, and this is something I had never really thought of, Waymo advertises the fact that the honeycomb has a minimum range of zero. So this means then that it can see things directly in front of the sensor. So... As a sort of counterpoint, usually, or maybe even always, when cars have any sort of external sensors, there are some that are designed for kind of long distance, kind of medium distance, and then short range. Things like the ultrasonic sensors that you'll see embedded into your car's bumpers, for example, to let you know when you're about to crash into something behind you as you squeeze into that parking spot. Well, in this case, it turns out that this particular LiDAR kit uh, is does have a useful range down to a distance of, well, just zero. So I guess this then negates the need for anything like an ultrasonic sensor. That's interesting to me. It never even occurred to me that LiDAR would have a minimum range. Thinking about it now, though, I am aware of the fact that vehicles with LiDAR do also typically have ultrasonic sensors. But um, yeah, I'm not just thinking out loud off the top of my head. I'm not really sure why there should be a minimum range for LiDAR at all. Uh, but in any event, um, I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty neat thing to see this happening. Uh, 
I, I guess it makes a lot of sense, and it doesn't really surprise me. One thing that I'm curious to see going forward is it's clear then that obviously Weibo are not going to sell this to potential competitors for shuttling humans around, but indeed, rather, it's going to be used for, say, commercial commercial usage, autonomous trucking, factory tractors, you know, that kind of thing, even agricultural usage. That makes sense. I wonder, however, whether they'd be considering selling these to... So, so one of the hypotheticals I've put forth several times in the past, when people have asked about things like, oh, does this mean that, you know, does an autonomous future mean that, say, Motel 6 on the side of our freeways will eventually go out of business? And I've said, no, of course not. They're just going to eventually have their own sort of Motel 6 branded autonomous pod cars, which will get people from A to B, sort of an alternative to, I guess, flying or, or taking the train. <clears throat> and... I, I could see that being a potential customer for Waymo because why not? That's um, I I don't know if yeah I would argue that that's not necessarily stepping on the same market as robo taxis. It's an altogether sort of different thing. Um, so so I could see that being a potential customer maybe, but I have to give this some more thought. I I'm totally just thinking out loud right now, so don't actually just stop listening to me altogether. And in fact, let's just wrap this up, and that's the end of things. And that is indeed a wrap for today. Thanks so much for listening. As always, if you haven't yet left me five stars on iTunes, and if you're enjoying this show, please obviously do so. This is how the podcast grows, through your word of mouth and positive, great, stellar reviews. Um, make sure to follow me on all social media at Autonomous Hogue if you haven't yet checked out my one-year anniversary video, the 19-minute video review of Tesla Model 3 with Enhanced Autopilot. Head on over to the YouTubes and just search for Autonomous Hogue. While you're there, please do make sure to subscribe because I need 100 subscribers before I can get a custom URL. Anyway, that'll do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you back here on Friday. We've got a special episode coming, probably, I think. Until next time, have a wonderful rest of the week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.